podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Into Son, Lamella takes the return. It's Eric Lamella for Cardinals. Hello guys and welcome back to yet another edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Now guys, as you are aware, you can follow The Last Word on Spurs across a variety of different social media platforms. We are of course on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. Now before this evening's show, just a reminder, we are recording on Bonfire Night. So please don't be disturbed or alarmed if you do hear fireworks in the background obviously we'll try our best to limit the noise for you as best as we possibly can but obviously that's just a reminder that it is bonfire night for us here in the UK now also a reminder for you that we are going to be on Love Sport on Thursday of this week reviewing the PSV game so just a reminder if you want to get in touch with the show you can do that by calling us on 0208 70 20 558 that's 0208 70 20 558 and that's going to be between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK and that will be live on 558am and DAB Radio and of course you can listen to the show both on the Love Sport app and their website. Enjoy the show. Joining us here tonight on The Last Word on Spurs. Delighted to have back on the show alongside me, of course, I've got Jason McGovern. Jace, how are you? Very good, mate. Enjoyed three points of the weekend and I'm ready to go. Yes, very much so. Well, a scare at the end as it always is with Spurs. We're looking forward to this one. Joining myself and Jason tonight. Delighted to have two returning guests to The Last Word on Spurs. First up, it's been a while. It's Emma Story. Emma, how are you? Hey! I'm good, thank you. I'm still not entirely sure my heart rate's back to normal after Saturday, but it's getting there. <laughs> God. Emma, we tried our best to throw it away, didn't we, towards the end of that game? Oh, my God. Like, honestly, I think I have no nails left. I was hiding behind the sofa, behind the cushion, just, like, praying for the final whistle to come. When four minutes of any time went up, I was just like, oh, God, seriously. The equaliser's coming, the equaliser's coming. <laughs> but no, we're fine. We're still there. It's great. <laughs> and we done it. We did win the game. Don't worry, I haven't got to double check. We did get over the line. And finally, last but not least, delighted to have this guy join us on the show. Another returning guest. We've got Charles, who talks all things Spurs, stadium development and football finance. Charles, how are you? I'm fine. I don't know what you guys are worrying about. It was fine on Saturday. <laughs> what is the panic, eh, Charles? Easy routine win, wasn't it? Yeah, no problem. Never in doubt. <laughs> I tell you, Jace, I'm going to kick the show off with you. So we're looking back on Spurs. Well, you know, at the end of that game, surviving a late Wolves scare. But I think Pochettino's face said it all at the end. Despite Spurs' best efforts, Chase, to throw away that game, 
we were lucky enough to hold on for all three points in a game which really and truly, you'd argue, we should have had sealed up in the second half after scoring that third goal. What did you make of the scenes at the morning, you, Jace, at the weekend? The narrative has obviously been written that Spurs were incredibly lucky and hanging on and, and you know, all, all the bad things and negativity about us. But, you know, it's a 90-minute game and we shouldn't forget at 60 minutes we against a, a decent walk side that all you think will probably be a, a top 10 side. We were 3-0 up away from home and I think we're the first team that's actually put three past Wolves, aren't we? I, think, I don't think they're conceding anything more than one in a game anyway. So, you know, when you look at that and you've gone away and you're 3-0 up, you could say you thoroughly deserve to win the game. So, you know, and, and then the penalties were just incredibly sloppy and, and complacent and I could go mad at Kieran Trippier. I mean, I had no idea what possesses him to try a nutmeg I mean, he's, he's actually on completely on the wrong side of the player to even be trying it on. I thought, you're not trying to go past him to get in our box. I couldn't work out what his, what his thinking was. And then he stands there arguing with Winks rather than concentrating on a ball. And suddenly there's a, a second penalty. And I felt a little bit sorry for for, for Foyth. And I, I saw it described as Foyth was standing by the body with the blood on his hands. But it was tricky. <laughs> and and I, I kind of felt that way. I thought, come on, you, you're... An experienced player should know better. I felt sorry for Floyd. But like I say, we play some really good football at times. And, you know, Harry Kane had the shot tipped over the bar. We had Lamella with a, a poor touch just after they got to 3-1. Kane had the shot straight at the keeper. So as well as the three goals, you know, we had three or four other chances ourselves. And I think if you go away from home and you, you score three and you create that much, you probably deserve to win the game. So I thought we just about did enough in the end. Z-Man says, Jace, is a winner win. Of course it is, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. You know, like I say, Wolves didn't... There was the one ball, wasn't there, right through the, the middle. That I don't know how the bloke put that past the post. But, you know, the, most of the other things we did were, were self-inflicted harm. And I, I did. I felt we deserved to win the game. And like I say, it's a 90-minute game. The game's not just decided after 65 to 90 minutes. And we did enough in that the opening 65, to put ourselves 3-0 up where we could, you know, at the end of the day, we could afford to concede two and still win the game. Mm. Come around to you, Em. I mean, Spurs, you could argue, were lucky to even find themselves free up in the first place to begin with. But we should not be allowing Wolves to get back into that game, should we, Em, at 3-0 up? No, I mean, I think I do agree with Jason as much as a game is 90 minutes. It's not 35 minutes. It's not the last 15 or 20. And, like, the first half was very pleasing from a Tottenham point of view. And I think that when we went 3-0 up, I, I think most people did think that that was it. My concern, my worry, is that this trend of letting teams back into games is becoming more and more prevalent now. And it's something which Pochettino had kind of eliminated to a certain extent over the past couple of seasons. But this season, it, this it, you know, the, the Wolves game kind of reminded me of the Spurs of old. You know, it's like, we're, we're just going to score one more goal than you. That's how this is going to work. Like, you know, just kamikaze at the back and see how we go. And, um, you know, we're lucky, I think, in some ways that Wolves didn't find another equaliser. I think the momentum was really with them. And obviously, if you take into account as well that their first goal um, actually was wrongly ruled out offside. Um, I do agree that obviously the penalties were soft, but I think... There's a real collective lack of discipline in our defence this season at the moment. And I think probably quite a big chunk of it has to do with, you know, having lost Jan. I think he is our best defender um, at the moment. And I think he also brings a real sense of kind of 
authority and presence to the to the back line, which is missing at the moment. Um, Toby doesn't look the same player w- without him alongside him. And 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 the thing is, is that you know the other guys that we have in the middle certainly are very young. Um, you look at Sanchez now, um, who's only 22. Obviously, Foyth, who, like Jay said, I, I really felt for him um, at the Wolves game. I, you know, the first penalty was a, was a bad penalty, but Trippier completely sold him up the river with with the way he behaved on that on that left hand side. And then the second one was really quite soft when you watch it back. I think, you know, there are other places that wouldn't have been given. And um, I think, other than that, it sounds really daft to say, oh, other than two penalties, he played really well. But actually, <laughs> he <did. laughs> actually, he really did. And mm-hmm. I'm 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 excited by what I see from him. I think that he. He reads the game very well. I think that he passes very well. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. He does remind me, in some senses, a little bit of, of, of a young Ledley King, which is really exciting. But, you know, he has a long way to go yet, experience-wise. And if you look at the fact that our fullbacks have just lost the plot, quite frankly, most of this <laughs> season, um, you can see how, you know, we're having some some, some issues in the defensive line. But, I, I you know, I do get a little bit worried now that it's starting to become a recurrent theme. If you look at what happened against Inter, if you look at what happened against PSV, you look at what happened with Wolves, like mm. it's it's starting to happen more and more and we won't always get away with that, you know? Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, Emma, to be fair, what you've said there. I mean, bringing you in, Charles, Michael Murkow asked the question, why was the win over Wolves such a nail-biter after bringing 3-0 up? I mean, I want to say to him, Charles, that's just supporting Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club, pal. Yeah, yeah. welcome. Um, I just thought that that game just summed up the season absolutely perfectly so far. You know, we just ground it out um, in huge chunks of the game. It was far from convincing. Um, defensively, we weren't what we've been in the previous seasons. We didn't create that many chances, and yet we still scored some. And even even if you sort of look down to the players, like you know, Kane, Mora, and Lamella got the goals. They're the only players this season who've scored more than one Premier League goal. Mm, good point. Um, I just, I, I just thought this was this was a, a you know a season in a match really, and um, it's. I think the sort of you know the question is it, it all feels a bit unsustainable really. Like you can't we can't keep churning out this number of points with that level of performance, and eventually something has got got to give for Spurs. And you know I just hope we start playing better because. Um, at the moment, I think we, we risk slipping down the table if we keep performing like that. Mm. Sticking with you, Charles, I mean, we have to make the point, you know, Spurs, we did move back into the Champions League places above Arsenal and just five points, I think, off the top. In a start eleven without the likes of, you know, Rose, Vertonghen, Sanchez, Dyer, Eriksen, Deli Alli and Wanyama. I mean, bearing in mind, you know, that amount of, you know, changes we've had to make to a team, you know, to still get over the line, should we not look at the, you know, the positives in that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, that's the sort of the half glass full approach. I mean, if you take, you know, so what we what we were missing, we're missing two of our two of our two out of our three first choice centre halves. Mm. We're missing two of our, our only two defensive midfielders. Our other central midfielder went off after one minute. We were missing our two main um, creative attacking midfielders. If you take that lot out of Manchester City or Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal. Um, I don't think I think they would have been very, very, very relieved to have got a win at Molyneux as, as well. So, um, so yeah, there, there's room for there's room for you know, optimism, but mm. at the same time, it feels that it's one injury after another at the moment. Is, I, yeah. I can't, I just can't. I, I think this of the lack of a good preseason is just going to haunt us. Could haunt us for quite a long time. Um, 
So, so yeah, so yeah. Obviously, you can be optimistic about it, but I think I think we need to. I don't know. I think there's still a lot of scope for whatever team Pochettino puts out to to play a bit better. Mm, I don't disagree with that. I think you're spot on there. I mean, Jace, bring it back round to you. Let's just look at the team news from the weekend against Wolves. We had Foyth keeping his place in the Tottenham team as he made his first ever Premier League start following, we've got to be said, a magnificent performance against West Ham during the midweek. Lloris, Alavero, Dembele, Lamella, Lucas and Kane were also among the players to return for Wolves. What did you make of the team when you saw it, Jace? I was surprised, I must admit, after after West Ham, I thought probably Ali or Ericsson, one of those two would have started, and um, and I certainly expected to see Ali on the bench, but, it, you know, he, he's explained that and said, you know, that, that's down to managing fitness, but it was, was still a surprise that I think most of us would have probably expected them to at least have, Ali to at least have been on the bench over his plays. How, much, how long did he play at West Ham? 70 minutes, something like that? Yeah, it was about 70 minutes. Yeah, 65, 70 minutes. That's right. Yep. So, you know, from that point of view, it was a surprise. But, um, and, and I thought Sonny might well have actually come in and started in place of Mora, having, having played well at West Ham. But I think, you know, we don't quite understand the, the, real, the real fitness issues that Pochettino's having to deal with at the moment. So, you know, I suppose you, you just have to give him grace and... And he, he rightly deserves our trust to say, look, if this person's not fit, he's not fit, and well, he's not fit to play in the way that I want him to play. But um, yeah, it was one, one or two surprises. I, I still expected Sanchez to to play, even though he had played Monday and Wednesday. I, I was surprised to see Foyth start. Whatever side he picks, I'll, 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 I'll go along with. Mm. Emma, coming around to you, questioning from Paul Nando at Nando Paul. He says, I know the game now is about squad rotation, but do you feel we should minimise the number of changes we make? I feel like we get no continu- continuity, particularly defensively. Our best season was when we had Wanyama on fire and we used Shibuya for Walker and Davis for Rose in games. We felt we could rotate. What do you make of that one? Um, I think he's got a point, um, absolutely, because I think defensive consistency is is what good results are, are built on. I think the problem that we have at the moment is we just don't have that luxury. Um, I think, you know, the, the point that Charles made about not having like a decent pre-season um, is, is absolutely spot on. And I think one of the things which we are really suffering from and it, it's really starting to tell is the fact that we had two-thirds of our first team in the, the final weekend of the World Cup. They've effectively not had a break. And then if you add Sonny into that, who's literally played over 12 months non-stop football, um, these guys, they can't keep performing at that same level that, that Pochettino demands. And they're picking up injuries. If you think that, you know, all our, our the guys involved in the, in the latter stages of the World Cup have all picked up injuries in this third, first third of the season. Um, and that is no coincidence. And the, the thing about um, keeping the same side is you can do that if everybody's injury free, everybody's fit, everybody's fitness, match fitness is at the top level. We just don't have that luxury right now, unfortunately. And, and so um, while I, I, you know, it pains me that we can't have the kind of same settled status, certainly at the back that we have had in, in previous seasons, I can totally understand and sympathise with, with what Poch is dealing with in this occasion. And I think we just have to ride this out for now really like I think mm. it's encouraging that we're still picking up the points and the results even though we're not really playing very well um, but I don't know how much longer that will last for. like you know we have to see have <laughs> every to see. time we think we're getting over the hump of, of injury somebody else goes down you look at you know mm. Dembele 
one minute he'd been on the pitch on Saturday and now we've lost him again for like how, who knows how long well, that's it, Eric Dyer out of nowhere you know all of a sudden is missing three weeks you know it's all these players it's like death by a thousand cuts you know <laughs> I was about to say, it's like um, ongoing scenes a casual in Holby City mixture here it's, it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous <laughs> I mean Charles bringing you in do you think just on the, the selection itself do you think it's worth bearing in mind that Ericsson's had to manage an abdominal issue and Deli Ali has only just returned from aggravating a hamstring injury you know we've Three matches in just a matter of six days. I mean, Pochettino, I think, as he said, he'd be doing his utmost to ensure he's managing the squad's minutes properly so it doesn't, you know, force any further injuries. I think I think Poch has been really consistent all through his time at Spurs in not rushing players back. And I think um, I think there's so much more, like, science behind it than, as fans, we can understand, um, like, how they sort of, um, you know, they sort of sequence returns back into action and how they sort of... Um, you know, you don't just get thrown back in, you know, straight at you know sixty miles an hour. You're 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 sort of eased back in, sort of over the course of several games and several weeks. And and uh, I think I think you know, sort of last season there was the time that he left Danny Rose out of a Champions League trip. That's right, yeah. And to work on his fitness. Mm. Uh, this season he did the same with. Didn't he do the same with Toby? Um, That's right. And yep. and um, every, yeah. So i think it's all it's all fits that same uh, pattern this is what jesus perez does isn't it he's a sports scientist and mm. last season um pochettino described him as a genius the way he was able to get the you know the sort of a peak number of players operating at their maximum level for a sort of a long period of time and um i think yeah as we've been saying jesus perez has his has his work cut out at the moment with so many players just just not able to get into that sort of very optimum where you you are sort of you're getting injured sort of relatively less than, than than players who aren't at their total peak. So yeah, I don't know. Tough situation for Spurs at the moment. Doesn't seem there's an easy solution to it. No, that's very true. We'll have to do uh, again. We we'll have to wait and see on that. I mean, sticking with you, Charles. Let's talk about Eric Lamella's fine form for Spurs, which continued at the weekend. <laughs> played, a, I mean, played a beautiful one-two with Son Denny before finishing through Rui Patricio's legs for the opening goal. I mean, Charles, tell us what you think of Lamella because he's turned into a player that you know for us now. I think he originally looked like we were going to sign, but he's just been incredible, hasn't he? I mean, he's eight goals in his last 12 appearances now for Spurs. He covered every blade of the grass at the Molyneux at the weekend, scoring one, setting up another, a really good performance. What did you make of it, Charles? Yeah, I think it's great. It's been a long time coming, Lamella hitting this this level of form and consistency. I think we all knew that, we've all known from the, from the moment he, he arrived that he had incredible amounts of talent, but whether he could apply that in a consistent mm. way. It took a long time. You know, he's, he missed an awful lot of games for injury in his first sort of three years, didn't he? But um, it looks like we're finally seeing a player at his absolute peak, and it's, and, it's, and it's just so satisfying to watch. And it's not just the fact that he's really skillful and he's even now doing crazy things like shooting with his right foot rather than doing Rabona's. <laughs> it's the fact that it's his, it's his just all-round attitude we just love the way like if that was it the second goal the way he sort of dived in and won the ball in that's the central right. midfield mm, that's it. that sort of thing it connects with fans we love seeing that just someone really sort of putting in the effort as well as having that level of class so um so yeah it's it's you know there's there's been a few sort of you know sort of negatives and a few like you know it hasn't been quite the sort of Tottenham Hotspur that we really sort of want to see this season but but Lamella's been an absolute shining light Maybe just as well, you know, he's he's mentally fresh and, you know, he hasn't got the injury problems to many because he did have the summer off. And I think, you know, he's probably benefiting from that in the same way Lucas Moore has benefited from having a, a summer off. Yeah, it's no, it's no coincidence, is it? It's the two no, of them. It's who not. Yeah. The two of them have been the bright sparks and they're the two that had the summer to themselves. 
Em, let me come around to you. So it's eight goals in his last 12 appearances, as I said, for Spurs. And I think five goals in his last five starts. What have you made of this Lamella? It's, oh. it's brilliant to watch, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, I'm so happy because I've spent like the last three seasons <laughs> wanging on about Lamella saying, I promise you, I swear, when he's 100% fit, he's 100% match ready, <laughs> he's going to be amazing. And the amount of stick I've taken from people going, you're oh, we talking all have We've all been saying, he's wait, gonna wait. He's never going to be the player that yeah, we find. That's it, that's it. Um, I'm, honestly, I'm so thrilled for him. And the thing is, it, it's like Charles said, it's not just about his, his natural talent, which is incredible. And the things that he does with the ball are just so sexy. Um, but it's, it's just the attitudes that he brings to the game. Like, every, he's so angry, like, all of the time. It's just brilliant. Like, you know, he, every single ball, he goes in, he's hungry for it, he wants it. He's not afraid to, like, get down and dirty, to get in players' faces, to, you know, really let everyone know that he's there and he's got a job to do. And it's just... His, his appetite for, for chasing the ball down and winning the ball back is, is almost unrivaled in our team, I think. I mean, he really, he will bust his ass, go from one end to the other to, to win the ball back. Um, and that, you know, when you add that to his incredible attacking talent and the fact that he's now delivering his own end product, because I think that was one of the things that, that some people kind of criticised him for, was that he did some, some great creative play, but he couldn't score goals. Now he's added goals as that final thing. I mean, he's just the he's just the total package, really. And, and um, it's so wonderful to see a player finally realising his potential and to be completely injury-free, totally fit. He's been called up again now by Argentina That's for the right. first time in mm. I, I wasn't sure how many how many years three years maybe yeah um, which is just you know fantastic uh, and so well deserved as well. I just you know it's so great. I know I remember when. People said that he didn't want to stay in London, like he didn't like being at Tottenham. He kept going back to Roma to have treatment and Poch let him have all this time away from, from London. And people saying, oh, it's because it's not happy here. He's not settled here. But the way that he is now, I can't imagine a player more settled in his environment and more happy to be at a club than, the, than Lamella appears to be now. It, it's so it's so wonderful to see. And it is, you know, it's a good reminder that although there have been some some ropey things about the start of this season, that we actually have some real positives as well, and he is at the top of that. Seems more settled off the pitch, doesn't he? You know, he's, he does. he's putting pictures of his kid out, and that I think that's helped him settle off the pitch. And I think he's the big change within this year is just that desire to really get into the box. And, and his goal on on Saturday, there would have been a time when he flicked the ball into Son that he wouldn't have then gone for the return pass. He'd have enjoyed the the ball into Son and just stay there. But yeah. his first thought was instantly to drive into the box. And, you know, the header against West Ham is, is another prime example of how he wants to to get into those spaces. And even the miss against Man City, you know, it was the fact that he's charging into the box that, that's getting there. And so his goal score, his, his number of goals will go up if he keeps getting in there, that's for sure. What I love about him, though, is this is, uh, Emma, you said there, busting a gut. But you look at the way he's learned English now. He's mastered the language, yeah. the way he speaks so confidently. And even after the game, the way he said to 1-4, if you know a youngster there, the same a countryman of his, you know, keep your head up. You had an amazing game. This guy's also a leader now off the pitch. And yeah. I think we shouldn't just take that for granted that whilst he's doing it on the pitch, also as a man, he seems so humble off it. Great, great player. And I have to ask you, Charles, coming over to you, Lucas Mora. You know, we have to also admit the build-up to this goal. Beautiful ball in by Trippier. And, you know, Spurs doubled their lead in a matter of minutes. We was in dreamland at that moment. Mora with a lovely <laughs> header. What would you make of that goal, Charles? 
<laughs> Above all, I thought it was really crap defending by Wolves. To, to allow <laughs> Lucas all right, maybe I've dressed up a little bit too yards. much. All right, maybe I'll but, but, maybe but, I'll, but I'll mention overall, that. <laughs> overall, uh, I thought um, he was yeah, he, he, another really good performance. I, I've got I've got to say, I, I'm personally I'm I'm, he, I'm eating a bit of humble pie over Lucas Bora. I wasn't convinced when he signed. I thought there was. I thought he had a bit of a bit of the Lewis Holtby about him, like okay. he was going to be a Spurs TV star and not actually do that much on the pitch. He looked a bit too nice, but he's um, he's uh, yeah, he's just game in, game out. He's scoring goals and creating chances, and um, he's providing that like ball carrying threat. We know this Spurs team is needed for years now, so um, yeah, this was just another another good display to you know another sort of eight out of ten display to. At the whole season from him. See, the plan was there for me. I was going to try and build these goals up. So when I go in later about our defence, I don't come across too bad. So now I have got to watch myself. But just on Lucas Moura, you know, he scored four goals from just seven shots on target in the Premier League this season, which is incredible. And he's also been involved in six goals in 11 appearances this season. Four goals, two assists. You know, great, great finish. And again, second half we go into it and... We're 3-0 up, and Jay's coming around to you. I don't think we could believe it, because Spurs, in a nature where we know about Tottenham, we don't always take our chances, but suddenly, you know, we punished Wolves at every single opportunity. Four shots, all of them at that point, and two of those in the back of the net, and another one for Kane. What did you make of it at that moment in the game? <coughs> it was Lamella involved again, wasn't it? It was. And, and you thought perhaps he, he dallied a little bit too long, but... His cutback, how he got the, the ball to Kane, because I think there was three Wolves defenders between him and, and Kane then. So it was a brilliant ball in. And once, once the initial save had been made, you thought, well, that one's gone. But Kane was just chasing that loose ball, wasn't he, and smashed it in. And um, I thought Harry had a, had a strange night. There was a lot of the game where you didn't think he was involved. And yet you, you look back at the game and he worked the goalkeeper five or six times during the game. It was... It's one of those nights for Harry, and, and he was so desperately unlucky not to to get the one afterwards when he, he looked for the top corner. But no, it was as you say. I think at that stage, well, we thought that's it, game over, three 0 They're not coming back from that. We've learnt from PSV. The game's put <laughs> to bed, and I, I think I said, right, now's the time. Let's let's take Harry up. Let's get Lorente on. Let him build on his West End goal. Put Harry in a bit of cotton wool, and and we'll just see this game out. I'll bring it around next to you, Charles. So just on Kane, he's now overtaken Arsenal. Legend, as they say, Ian Wright in the all-time Premier League top goal scorers list with 114 goals. 27 goals in his last 27 away Premier League matches. And 148 in terms of goals for Spurs. Charles Kane, he's still finding the back of the net, isn't he? There was something about that goal um, on Saturday. Just as soon as he scored it, he just thought, oh, that is, that is Kane at his most Alan mm. Shearer-esque. Yep. The way he just sort of buried it on the second chance with his wrong foot right into the roof of the net. It really, really looked like, yeah, Alan Shearer. And, um, you know, what's, what's, he, what's he up to now? Six goals this season in the Premier League. Um, he's the one of our World Cup players who hasn't yet had a series, hasn't yet had an injury, has he? Um, yeah, let's not put the knockers of, on it though, Charles. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he sort of... Um, it, he, it feels like he's he's carrying a lot of weight for this Spurs team at the moment, and um, I don't. But I just don't think there's any doubt that he can just carry on doing that. Mm. Um, we're just, yeah, we're just so lucky to have him, aren't we? Yeah. I think we shouldn't forget that. No, wonderful player. And what have you made of Kane's season overall? Uh, I think what always makes me laugh, and it happens every single season, is that if Harry doesn't like, you know, start scoring every single game in a row, like every shot finding the back of the net. 
people start going, oh, Harry Kane, he's gone off the boil. Like, you know, he's losing his touch. Like, he's not the same player that he was last season. This happens every year. And then he just has this moment where he kicks into gear and then he's away and gone. What's been amazing about Harry this season is that he hasn't really found that gear yet, but he's still scoring. Mm. Like, he is just... He is so world-class. And it's, it's like Charles said, we are so lucky to have him to, to you know, be able to have a player like that who, who we know that you give him enough chances and he, he will score. He will find that goal for you. He's also a brilliant penalty taker, which is something we never had before at Spurs. Um, you know, and I just, I'm in awe of how he's able to keep doing this over and over again, <laughs> even when he's not in the best of form, which he's not at the moment. He's not hit top gear. He's not the Harry, you know, going out and scoring two, three goals every game, but he's still just chipping away, just getting the goals, getting them when they matter. And, He's still a leader on the pitch for me as well. Like, I just, I feel so proud when I watch him, not just what he's doing, like, from a, from a playing perspective, but what he does, like, to help other players on the pitch, to get them to keep their heads up. Like, he's always the first one when they concede a goal or somebody makes a mistake. He's the one to be like, no, don't worry about it. Forget it. Let's go again. You know, I just, the fact that he's ours, the fact that he came through our academy, you know, just makes it all the more, all the more sweeter. But I just... You know, I, we haven't seen the best of Kane this season yet, mm. but the fact that he is still scoring regardless, that makes it all the more exciting to me. It that does. He's, ha- he's still there. Harry Kane's going to be the, the greatest player in the club's history um, by the time he's done. And I think we're, we're yeah, we sort of, you know, we are very blessed to be, to be, to be seeing that. And, and what's great is, what is he, 25 now? Like, his peak is the next sort of three or four years. That's scary, isn't it, Charles? That is scary. We are going to be in for something. Mm. And, 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 you know, OK, so it's got a bit iffy in the transfer market the last 12 months. But, you know, he's going to be surrounded by some good players come what, way, come what may. So we're not going to waste this um, peak of his. It's, yeah, it's, so we're, we're going to be in for quite something in the next few years. There you go. Heard it here first from Charles. Wonderful player. Like you said, he hasn't even hit top form yet. So when he does, hopefully, yes, I say, big, big wins along the way. Fingers crossed. Well, let's discuss Hugo Lloris, who before Wolves scored, you know, he made three remarkable saves. Now, Jace, I'll ask you about Hugo. Um, You know, I think you maybe say Pochettino has been rewarded for his loyalty towards the French and Spurs captain, despite the tough season he's had on and off the field. What did you make of that triple save? I say in a matter of minutes. Yeah, it, it was, you know, he, he picked up the three points at West Ham for us and he, he had a massive influence on us getting the three points on Saturday. So, um, you know, he, he's inconsistent. We, we know that at the moment with Hugo. He's, he's good one week, he's bad the next. We just, you know, fingers crossed there's there's a lot more good from him. We know what a top-class goalkeeper he is. I'm not so sure he's gone that far backwards. And, I, you know, we, we had the question last week, didn't I? And I said, you know, when you look at that... Um, the question mark is when we play that Carabao Cup at the Emirates, who do you want in goal, Gazaniga or Hugo? We all said we want Hugo in there. And that, that's because we know Hugo at his best is a fantastic keeper. So, you know, it was, it was nice to see him contributing massively to, to three points again. Yeah. And come around to you, Em. Let's get your thoughts quickly on Hugo because, again... All in quick succession, those saves seem to happen. He first denied Jimenez, then blocked Costa's shot with a foot at the near post, and then finally turned around Neves' shot, that looked destined for the bottom corner. What did you make of Larissa's saves on the night? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly against Wolves, he had a good game, and that was really pleasing to see um, after some 
not so great games in the past few weeks. I mean, I think my issue with Hugo at the moment is that I just feel his head is not right. Um, having been in Eindhoven for the the Champions League game, I mean that you know his decision making. Uh, no one's ever denied that he's a great shot stopper, and he is. He's a fantastic goalkeeper, and I'm not for a moment saying like we should sell him, we should get rid of him. It's, it's not that. But for me, I feel like there's something not right in his head at the moment. I don't know if it's obviously to do with what's been happening off the field, but his decision making, particularly in the in the 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 games against higher quality opposition is just not right at the moment. He he panics far too easily. We saw it against Man City. We saw it against Eindhoven. Like I I just feel that he he's not the Hugo that that we know from previous seasons at the moment. And it may be something. It's a temporary glitch, and he can get past it. And with the support of other people off the field, like he he will get himself right again. But I do worry in these big games that he's not. Not making, yeah, not making the right decisions. Like I said, it's it's not that he's become a bad keeper and he will always be a fantastic shot stopper. But you know, I just, I, I think mentally, I'm not sure he's quite right at the moment. That's my personal opinion, anyway. So Charles, coming round to you. Despite Hugo's triple save in the matter of those minutes, we did inevitably, you say, concede to Wolves. <laughs> One fourth in the midst of it all, but I think it's fair to say, Charles, that it wouldn't be all of his fault to blame on that night for those two penalties. Can we just say, before we discuss fourth as a whole, you know, he completed 42 passes. Well, so should I say, actually, he attempted 42 passes in that first half, the joint most of any Spurs player, and completed all of them. What did you make of his performance, Charles, against Wolves in that second half? Was he at fault for those penalties? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, certainly the, the the first one he really got stitched up by Trippier but it was still clumsy and the second one was a little bit naive even though there probably wasn't a lot of contact and it was a bit marginal but I thought you know I thought I thought Pochettino um, said it said that overall he did quite he did okay and, and I sort of agree with that I thought he particularly first half he looked, he looked um, utterly composed he looked strong his positioning was good and in the second half where it started to go a bit wrong for him you know in the 10 minutes before those penalties you know Toby had had a couple of absolutely shocking moments mm-hmm. when Davinson came on he had a couple of you know, a couple of real ricks didn't he at the back so um it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't just Foyth. I think the problem was well I think Trippier had a really dozy game again and he got called out on it afterwards by the mat by by Pochettino quite unusual criticism of a, of a specific player but also I think the problem was just in the central midfield like Wolves just started to dominate the game and um, sadly poor old Foyth was the sort of the, 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 the was kind of the victim really um, of what else was going on around him so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I'm sure he, Foyth isn't panicking I'm sure Pochettino isn't panicking I certainly won't panic if um, Foyth is back in the starting lineup next weekend I think he's clearly incredibly talented centre-half I thought he was brilliant against West Ham and um you know, we don't know what's going to happen to Toby. We don't know what's going to happen to Jan. And um, if either of those go, it looks like, you know, we've got a ready-made replacement ready to go. And so all the experience he's getting now is is it's worth it, even if you know, the sort of, it didn't feel like it for those 10 minutes of um, agony at the end of the Wolves game. Mm. Jace, coming over to you, we've got a question here from Harry Hotspur. who says, I want Jason's level-headed appraisal of Foyth's game. I thought, apart from the obvious, he started in seamlessly. Jason, let's have your verdict on Foyth overall and what you made of those two penalties that we did give away. Well, I did say we should calm down, didn't I, even after the West Ham game. Let, let the boy learn his football because he'll make mistakes. So, 
you know, those things happen, and just in the same way as Carl Walker Peters, you'll have to learn and, and you'll have to accept that they'll make mistakes. But, you know, it's when, when we're seeing Kieran Trippier's and Hugo Lloris's and Toby's making mistakes, you, you, you know, you can afford it with a young kid. But, you know, I think a little bit of it is probably as well, we, we lost that midfield area, didn't we, in that latter half, and you really missed Dyer or Dembele, or at least one of those two in that combination. I thought Misa Sissoko actually had a, had a, in many ways, had a really decent game. And, you know, I usually defend Musa Sissoko, but there was times in those 20 minutes to go where I thought, Musa, you don't actually now need to be going forward. We're 3-0 up. Just sit in because we're, we're getting overrun in midfield. And a couple of times he, he, he did leave his post and it left us short. But, you know, Foyce will learn from those mistakes. They'll happen. But his composure on the ball, and certainly in the first half, he, he takes maybe a couple of risks in uh, on that halfway line, perhaps when you've, you're playing, the, you know, is just alongside uh, Toby, you think if he loses the ball there, we've got big problems, rather than if you've got three with you. But like I say, it's everything. Most of the signs we see from Forrest are promising, and I hope we, I hope nobody loses too much confidence in him. And let's play him with with some of these games with Burnley at home or something like you know those types of games. Huddersfield at home. Let him let him just slot in and get some, some vital experience under his belt and then, then we'll, we'll see where we are in a, in a year's time with him but there's, there's certainly some real ability inside him that's for sure mm. Minty Bloke agrees with you Minty Bloke does say Foyth is too good to spend the rest of the season on the bench and Harry Hotspur just to finish off on his comment he said loved Foyth's crisp and direct passing into our central midfield sometimes I think we can labour a bit in this department M coming round to you as we saw or well, at the weekend, you know, never scored from that penalty spot after the fourth foul, and then scored the second one after. Again, fourth, you know, brought the player down. It looked like that Premier League debut, which started so well, was turning into a bit of a nightmare. But I think it's fair to say, him as we've said, you know, you know that the penalties in general they weren't all of fourth's fault. You know, Trippier put him in a really sticky situation for on the first. Oh, yeah. Winks guilty of giving away the ball in the lead up to one of the penalties as well. I mean, do you think? I think Jason used that analogy earlier that. It was like a dead body and fourth was at the scene of, of, yeah. of both of them. You know, very, very harsh on the lad, wasn't it? Yeah, and I really, I, oh God, I really felt for him at the end of the match. He looked really crestfallen. I wanted somebody to go over to him and just like put their arm around him and be like, it's okay, it's all fine. We've got the three points, don't worry about it. And, you know, I do totally agree with what the guys have said. You know, the first penalty, he was completely shafted by Trippier. Like what mm. Trips was doing there, I just... He lost his mind, quite frankly, for 30 seconds. And then the second one, I think Charles said it, you know, it was naive. Um, there wasn't much contact there. I think it was a really soft penalty. But I think it's the kind of foul that, you know, you get clever at, at not giving away. And as, a, as an attacker in the Premier League, you get clever at drawing. So um, you can see how that got given away. Um, but I think, you know, I agree completely with the guys that the, the overall signs of, of Foyth, you know, both against West Ham and then Wolves, are really, really positive. I think he's so comfortable on the ball and his positional awareness is great. Um, and I think it bodes well because, you know, we, Toby and Jan are both knocking on a bit now. You know, they're both uh, the wrong side of 30 now, I think. We're both 30 and older. Um, which is, you know, not to say that they're finished by any stretch. And obviously Jan is our best defender, I think, at the moment. But um, it's good to know that we have someone now who's starting to be blooded and introduced in the first team to to build up their experience so that when the time comes we have like a, a you know a seamless transition and I, re I didn't feel like um he looked out of place when when he was playing in that back line it didn't feel like he looked like a fish out of water 
like it was his first Premier League game, you know, until that horrible 10 minute spell with the penalties, I thought he looked super comfortable. So, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm the same as the guys, really. I hope mm. that people don't have a kind of knee jerk reaction about him and be like, oh, well, you know, look, he gave us away two penalties like that's so stupid. Let's not play him anymore. Like, I'd, I'd be really happy to see him get more playing time this season, definitely. Yeah, we'll come around to you, Charles. I mean, how much do you think Maurizio Pochettino's man management of Juan Foyf deserves to be highlighted? You know, as we saw, the young central defender again proved, you know, what a star he's going to eventually become for Spurs, as we've mentioned. You know, how much do you think Pochettino deserves the credit for not bringing him off? Because sometimes managers would argue on the back of those two, you know, challenges they may well have hauled him off to keep him on and not destroy his confidence is that really key do you think for the player yeah I think so I think I think um, Pochettino was a centre half and 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 so he's perfectly placed to to know what 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 Foyk will be going through and exactly as Emma said like you know just those sort of that sort of particularly that penalty like that's exactly the sort of foul that you make early on in your career as a defender and it's really it's not it's not a big deal um, so I think um, I, I think I, it sounds weird after after a guy's given away <laughs> two know. penalties and yeah. kind of being a bit, <laughs> bit sort of embarrassed on match of the day. But it was kind of a successful night almost. I thought for Foy, um, he sort of he's a, you know he sort of earned his stripes a bit. And, you know he's, he's he's mucked up a bit, but that'll just we all know that he, that'll make him a better he'll be a better player for it. So uh, it's just to, to be honest, actually, I think it's a bit of a shame he's not registered in the Champions League squad. Yeah, I think I, I think once particularly if we sort of do something daft against PSV tomorrow night and get knocked out of it, <laughs> it would have been two perfect two perfect nights for him to to get some really good experience against top opposition. But uh, anyway, you can't nothing we can do about that now. No, well, getting worse. I think he agrees with my statement. He says, "Was it a good management punch to bring on Sanchez to help out Young Fourth instead of just taking him off after giving away two unnecessary pens?" Well, I think I have said there. I think we've covered that off, and I, I totally agree with you on that. Now we've got to discuss the fullbacks, guys, because there's been plenty of discussion. I mean, do, Emma do we have to? Well, I'm sorry, Em. Well, earlier I was told this is, this is the X-rated part of the podcast. Yeah, sorry. This is where you know many might want to switch off. Now I was praised earlier, or sorry, Charles berating me earlier for being too kind to give away you know, that second goal Spurs score, scored. I was you know not being too harsh in terms of you know Wolves is defending, but now I've got to discuss the fullbacks. And Jason, I'm going to come along to you firstly because. You know, it's clearly obvious at the moment that neither Trippier or Davis are good enough to be the first choice fullbacks for Spurs. That's how I see it. You know, both Rose and Ori have been suffering injuries this season, which I think have stopped a real potential good partnership there. I know you're going to probably throw at me that Danny Rose, he's not the 15-16 player anymore, and Ori at its early days in terms of his second season form. But, Chase, I mean, honestly, can you see a way where we are going to be able to have Trippier and Davis moving forward as Spurs' best fullback combination for Tottenham this season? Because I really can't. <laughs> No, I think in an ideal world, they are both backup players. And Ben Davis had made big strides last season. And it's it's a real disappointment how, how far backwards he's, he seems to have gone. Although, I mean, in fairness to Ben Davis, he's, he's, still not, he's still not making the same mistakes as defensively as Kieran Trippier is. I mean, you know, it was an awful week, wasn't it? It was, you know, Tripp's stupid header against Manchester City. It was him that, that bars into the back of the bloke at PSV that caused a late free kick, and, and I, I just don't know what's what's going wrong with him. And it, it's a worry that you look at him. Like I say, he, he got a bad ball back from Harry Winks for that second goal, but why was he standing there arguing for for a few seconds? And in that time, Wolves just knocked the ball past him, and you thought if you'd have been concentrating, you'd have intercepted that pass, and they'd have never been in at Foyth. And I just 
I don't know what's going on with him. We saw him even in the Manchester City game, didn't we? Trying to have an argument with Hugo as if he was trying to blame Hugo for the goal. And something's... I don't know if the, the World Cup, he, perhaps he's, this Barry Beckham business has gone to his head and he... <laughs> <laughs> Barry Beckham. There you go. That's what's caused it. Yeah. And, and, and there was a time, you know, when we would have said, oh, but he, he made that wonderful cross for, for Lucas Moura. But it's mm. reached a stage where no amount of good crosses can, can cover for the mistakes he's making. And they're costing us goals. You know, yeah. even Barcelona, all right, we'll all have a go at Hugo. And we know Hugo shouldn't have come charging out. But the ball was instantly played in and behind Trippier for that goal. And... He's got to concentrate a lot better defensively. It's nice to see him cross the ball well, and it's nice to get those assists. But he's got to do the basics of defending right. And at the moment, when when teams when players run it in one v one, you feel like they'll just get past him so easily. He's he's got a lot of improving to do, and you know it's it's time for him to to sort himself out. Mm. Well, I tell you what, let's ask some questions then, because Charles, we've got a question in here from Spurs for Life at 621. Carl says, hi guys, regular to the show, absolutely love it, and well done so on that, so thanks very much. He says, do you think Potch is too stubborn when it comes to selection? Us fans can see Trippier and Davies are costing us, but yet they're nailed on to start. Serious questions for Potch. Is that fair, Charles, or do we have to bear in mind that our lack of depth at the moment is also what's killing us, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think Potch has much choice at left-back with... Um... Rose injured yet again. So, um, and I wonder, to be honest, I wonder if that's um, factoring into Davies' rather sort of average play. Like he's just mm. not got any competition at the moment and there's nothing really driving him. Um, and yeah, right back, you know, it's, it feels it's a bit of a case of pick your poison, really, between <laughs> pick your poison. Ori and Trippier. They're so, they're so, they're both, they're both <laughs> yeah, so inconsistent. Well, they're, they're so inconsistent, aren't they? I, I, what I'd say with Trippier is, is I just wonder if he's got caught the same sort of virus that Lloris has caught. It seems really similar what they're going through, doesn't it? Like they, mm. they're, they're, they're showing like, you know, still showing some moments of real class and these moments of like playing like absolute Muppets. And <laughs> you just, you just wonder if you just wonder if like the sort of um, the world, you know, you talk about world cup hangovers, but like both of those guys, like they experience like these incredible highs at the world cup, like in their lives, like mm. Lloris is never going to top picking up that World Cup trophy. And Trippier, he is never going to top um, curling in a free kick in a World Cup semi-final. Like, that, Unless they win yeah, the Champions League with Charles Tottenham. Unless they win the Champions League with us. Yeah. And the Premier League. But, but they, the double can still Everest. happen. And, and you, just, you just wonder if both of them need to like knuckle down and refocus and, and yeah, realise that winning the Champions League for trophy would also be a bit of a high. And it might help if they stop making so many mistakes. I, I, do, I don't know if it's that or it's because he's got that free car parking space at Lidl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Fantastic. Hey, we're gonna come round to you. Jason set me off already. Right. <laughs> Dustin says this show is always entertaining. Whatever happens, with a win or a loss, there's always stuff to debate. Um, Dustin at Devo nineteen eighty says, "What are your thoughts on trivia? Have a great show. We're discussing him right now for you, Dustin. But the main question here, Em, you got to try and answer this one for me. Georgie Lovelace at Georgie Lovelace says, "Question from my six-year-old son Blake: Why is trivia trying to nutmeg a Wolves player in the lead up to the first penalty?" Question mark. Great podcast. What do you make that one, Em? Oh, bloody hell, honestly. The six-year-old has nailed it. Like, why? I'm I'm, I'm trying not to swear here. Why would you do that? Like, seriously, why would you do that? It's just like Charles has just said, like, Trippier has moments of complete 
muppetry at the moment. <laughs> you know, that's a polite way of putting it. Oh, it and I just, you know, oh my God, it's so frustrating because um, we haven't got the luxury at the moment because we have got so many problems injury-wise at the back in both central midfield and the fullbacks. We haven't got the luxury of people dicking around and playing crap. We really haven't. And, you know, players like Trippier and Davis, like they have to knuckle down and get their something together because, <laughs> you know, it, we can't afford them to be playing the way that they're playing at the moment. And it's so frustrating. With Trippier, I do wonder, I kind of agree really with what you're saying about this sort of World Cup disease. I do feel a little bit like, like the attention has gone to his head. You know, the Barry Beckham, he made like the, you know, the FIFA final listings for the team of the World Cup, you know, it was all talking about, you know, this guy could be linked with Real Madrid. He's like one of the best mm. fullbacks in the world. And I feel like he's not really got his head together this season now. Did, didn't didn't you think it was interesting at the start of the season, like some of the, some of the World Cup players came straight back into the team, whereas others were deemed not to be ready. Mm. And Trippier was one of those who didn't play the first couple of games, did he? Yeah, that's right. No, and, he just ran, right. And, it wasn't, mm. and he wasn't injured at all. No. And you just wonder if, 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 yeah, Potch saw him strutting around the car park or whatever and just thought, nah. Yeah, just right, right. sort, sort yeah. this out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's entirely possible. And, you know, like I said, it's this problem that we've got at the moment with so many injuries is that we haven't got the luxury of being able to switch players in and out, you know, at will. Um, like, and dropping players in certain positions because they're not performing. So, you know, I don't know whether Potch has just got to get in there and knock some heads together, like, literally, um, try and knock some sense into them because... You know, I think in in some other like times of the season or other seasons gone by, it wouldn't have mattered so much that Davis and uh, Trippier are underperforming so much because I think you know our Toby Yang combination would have got us out of a lot of holes. We don't have that luxury at the moment. You know, we're we're struggling in central defence as well. We we don't have consistency. Our best player is out, and so you know they can't afford like their mistakes are being are being uncovered like very quickly. Like they're being caught out. And, um, it shows up the fact that they're not performing defensively the way that they should. I mean, you know, Trippier still is amazing at pinging in a great cross, a great ball, lovely assist. But, you know, bottom line, he is in the team to be a defender first and foremost, and he's just not doing that at the moment. In fairness to him, at the start of the season, I think where, where some came straight back in and others didn't was where, where you had choices to make. So Trippier, Trippier didn't come in because Oreo was fit at that stage and could play, and Ben Davis could play in place of Rose, whereas... Eric Dyer came straight back in because Wanyama wasn't fit. And Kane came in, well, obviously, you've only got Lorente. And I think it was, was more done, you know, Davinson Sanchez could play with Toby, with um, with Yan. So Toby didn't come straight in, but Yan had to, being the only left-sided one. I think those first couple of games, it was more based of availability of the whole squad and who could and couldn't play. Jace, just stick with me. You've got another couple of questions in on Trippier. Just let's try and squeeze these in very quickly. Michael Lambert says Trippier overlaps with the best of them and is an offensive threat. However, with the style of play when we push three midfielders to attack, don't we need Trippier to be more aware on his runs? Quickly fill that in for us, Jace, that question. What do you make of that one? No, absolutely he has to be aware and he keeps getting caught downfield. But, you know, we're finding more and more faults with him every single week at the moment. And, you know, he. I think those faults have always been in him, but but perhaps when the team's functioning at its best, we we cover those up a little bit. And where perhaps the team isn't functioning fully at its at its best, you're starting to see those more and more. I, I just have no idea what was in his mindset to try that nutmeg because, like I said, he was he was completely the wrong side. I could have understood it if he'd have been inside trying to go past the man. But you thought, what? 
I mean, <laughs> call it off. Where are you going with it? it? It was absolutely bizarre. And, you know, he's a player that I called a coward the other day because he never tries to take a player on, does he? Mm. When he gets that chance forward, he'll whip across him when there's space. But he'll never actually try and go past the player. I don't think I've ever seen it. And suddenly he's trying to nutmeg on the edge of our box. It was, you know, I'm glad somebody called him out. And Pochettino actually didn't really defend him after the City game, did he? He said it was a really soft and poor cheap goal to give away. So I get the feeling there might have been a few words at the trading ground this week. And I'm, I'm pretty certain Aurier plays tomorrow, that's for sure. Mm. Well, you know, it's quite funny. You had an interview from uh, Ben Pierce with Pochettino on Trippier. I don't know if you saw this, Charles. He mentioned there how he's, you know... Well, I think it's the first time we've ever seen Poch really come out and be actually critical of a player. He's not normally like that, is he? He always tries to, you know, praise the players. I think he'd always say stuff behind closed doors. But just to really finish up on this, was you surprised where he says Trippi needs to remember he's a fullback and needs to improve on his defending? Was you surprised he came out publicly and said that? I'm not surprised he did, but it is, it is unusual for Pochettino. It's not the way he operates, um, but clearly he felt it needed to be said. And I think I think you know we're, we're all singing on the same hymn sheet on on, on Trippier. Like he just <laughs> needs a, a rocket in certain up him. Says I'm fireworks night, um, and um, yeah, and and yeah, he, clearly Pochettino recognises that there's some complacency. You know that nutmeg was like that was a canary in the coal mine. So uh, Poch has seen it. We've all seen it. Time for Trippier to see it. Mm. I mean, Aurea, we saw that last season with him, these nutmegs in the area. We know where he's getting it from, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's where he's oh, getting God, it from. Surge. Oh, no. oh, I don't God. want to get you started on that, Charles. He's barely been playing this season. So I don't want to get Charles on the Surge debate. We've had Dan from Yidvids on him, and he's, he's had his say on Surge, bless him. But, OK, let's, let's also just finish up. Before we look ahead to PSV, which is tonight for you guys listening to the show on a Tuesday, um, it has to be worth saying that Pochettino used 22 different players during the wins over both West Ham and Wolves. So where many do just, you know, debate and, you know, think the squad does need improvement. And I'm sure you guys, if you listen to us on a weekly basis, you know we've discussed about the investment needed in the squad. But that just shows you he has had quite a few options within those two games that he's used. We're currently one point more than we had at this stage last season with 24 points from 11 matches. And we've won 24 points from 11 matches in the Premier League this season. Only 2011, 2012, 25 have we picked up more at this stage of a campaign. So not being funny, on the pitch hasn't been too bad. Off it, that's another scenario. We'll get Charles' thoughts later on the stadium because I know Charles always has a word about the stadium, so we'll get him on that. But firstly, let's discuss PS3 very quickly ahead of this evening. So just to go into the game team news-wise, Pochettino confirmed that Rose Dyer, Dembele Wanyama... Togamal all miss out through injury, Lloris is suspended, and Kudu and Foyfe are ineligible. So, Chase, what are we expecting in terms of a selection this evening? <laughs> and, uh, your, op- your options are pretty close, aren't they? Aurier, Toby, Sanchez, Davis, presumably midfield it will be Winks and Sissoko again, and then probably it'd be interesting to see if Delhi and Ericsson come back in. That's for sure. On uh, and maybe it will be Lamella that misses out, which is a bit harsh. And Kane will be up front, and that's that's how it'll go. But um, you know there'll be there'll be opportunities, obviously, on the bench. Presumably, Oliver Skip will will be on the bench and things like that. But you know, PSV didn't look a great. I know they're, they're, they're steam in the Dutch league, but let's be fair, they they didn't look great in that first game, with the exception of Lozano, who was their only threat all night. Mm. And I don't expect them to be any better. And hopefully, we've learned a few lessons from that first game where we don't switch off. And it might be the type of game that, that really gets us uh, 
that really gets us flowing, and I, I can see it being a comfortable evening. Interesting. Jason says comfortable. N, are you on that fence? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know if I'm quite on the comfortable fence. Um, I mean, I totally agree with the fact that, you know, PSV are not all that, you know, watching them in Eindhoven. Um, we we were our own undoing in that match. You know, that, had, that result had nothing to do with them and everything to do with us self-imploding. So I don't feel that they pose the same threat to us in the way that, like, say, for example, Inter did. However, I do feel um, we are horribly, horribly hit with injuries, particularly in that midfield area where I feel like we need to be really strong. Um, I mean, Winks is doing really well since he came back in and Sissoko is making great progress as actually being <laughs> a half-decent player. Um, but it's not really the same as having that kind of um, experience, solidity of... Dyer and Dembele in, in you know, protecting the, the, the defence. But um, I, I think it will be a win, but I think it, it, it won't be as comfortable as perhaps Jason's suggesting. I do think, I do worry a little bit, and I know we'll talk about the stadium, that Wembley will be a bit of a factor. Obviously, the pitch is still fairly shocking, considering they've had a UEFA guy down to inspect it on Monday. Um, but also, I do feel like, you know, the fans' apathy towards Wembley as a match destination at the moment is is quite clear, um, particularly exp- like you know experienced fans, season ticket holders, people mm. who would usually go week in week out, um, and I I worry that the atmosphere will not be quite what it should be for a Champions League night, um, and you know the players need to be able to feed off that, especially because we're not technically quote unquote at home. So um, I think that's why I think it will be a bit more nervy than, than perhaps we'd hope. But I, I do expect to get a win. I would be really, really shocked if we don't because, I, you know, they don't have anything really, well, based on my previous experience of watching them this season, they don't have anything to particularly threaten us if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Mm. I think they're still unbeat actually in their domestic league, but that probably says much about their league. It does about you know the, the game in general, but Charles, let's get your thoughts in on this one. Um, I tell you what, let's bring let's bring the stadium chat into it just now before we look ahead to the game. Just a couple of questions, Charles. What have you made stadium situation? I know you're you write a lot of articles about Spurs and the stadium, what it's costing, and just the nature of the move. Uh, give us your thoughts very quickly on what you've made in terms of the delays and the general feeling around the whole thing at the moment. Yeah, well, it's like what Emma said. It's just so frustrating, isn't it? There's sort of it felt last season that, that the fans really sort of bought into the the bargain that that we would have to have a year at Wembley, and 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 it went about as well as it could possibly be expected. Um, and then we sort of bought into the club's line that the stadium would be ready and we'd go and shut out on these expensive uh, season tickets and memberships. Um, and and now it's it's really really starting to fizzle, isn't it? Um, you know the atmosphere last Monday, um, by the sounds of it, for those who actually went was was dreadful. Um, I think um, you know I'm I'm someone you know I don't live in in London, so I, I don't get to that many games. And I've you know this this you know so far this season I've not been bothered to to go to Wembley. It's such, it's such a poor experience. It's just boring watching football at Wembley, and um, it's just it's just um you know we're just crying out for a bit of certainty uh, about when, when it's going to be ready. And unfortunately the club can't give it because they just don't know. So we're just stuck in this limbo at the moment. It's just not, it's such a, it's such a tough situation for, for Pochettino. It's such a tough situation, tough situation for the fans. And, and, you know, the longer it goes on, the, the bigger the consequences will be because Spurs are sort of, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not bringing in the amount of money that they'd expect to be bringing in on match days anymore. 
um, and that could have an impact on like the you know, future transfers and things like that. So it's a really we're in a really tough spot at the moment. It's, it's, it's just it's just it's just difficult for stop. Does that worry you, Charles, in terms of the atmosphere for tonight's game? If there's, I mean, as we know, there's still tickets available for it. Therefore, yeah. Do, do we do we know how many have been sold? Like. I don't, know, I don't know, think I, but they're definitely going to be. I mean, it's definitely available tickets for tonight. So, guys, if you're interested, you can still go along to the game at Wembley. And that's, go, not, me, go, go. that's not me selling it on behalf <laughs> of the club. But I mean, like I said there's tickets there. Go and support Spurs. Go and support the team. But do you worry, Charles, that could play an effect for tonight's game? Or are you confident that the players on the pitch should be able to do the job against eleven we're going to face? Uh, I, I think tonight they 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 should be fine. Yeah, the, the Champions League music comes on mm. and fire the flags out and stuff like that, and and people will be up for that. I think tonight will be okay. I think I think it's the the next few home league games. You, know, you look at some of them, like home against Southampton, home against Burnley, home against Bournemouth. <laughs> like, oh, these could be that could be grim. That could be like <laughs> like some sort of preseason friendly. You know, you know, you know when Juventus came at the start of last summer, and there was like five people and a dog there. It could really get, get into that territory, couldn't it? <laughs> the dog got it for free, didn't it? Though. No, no, Levy charged in. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're going to throw some listener questions before we do our predictions for the game. Jay's going to come round to you. Mark C at Captain Brit says, just wondering what the importance to secure all three points against PSV will be tonight. Laurie suspended for the games we mentioned. Who should be in goal, Jace? Gazaniga or Vaughan? Now, we heard Potts even say Whiteman has a chance. So, out of the three we've got to pick, Jace, who, who are you going with? Who's your man? Well, I'd hope it would be Gazaniga. Yeah, for me, definitely Gazaniga plays. He's, he's done nothing since he's come into to the first team games to suggest that he shouldn't play. I know it was a, it was a bit of a surprise that Vaughan was on the bench in Holland, but so so for me, Gazaniga would play. But it wouldn't in the least bit surprise me if Michel Vaughan does, and perhaps that's what Potty's way is saying. Right, I'll make Gazaniga number two for Premier League and domestic cup games, and I'll I'll still have Michel Vaughan as the Champions League goalkeeper. So. You know, it, it, it's surprising, but for me, Gazaniga would be the one I'd pick. Okay, one word answers to get the rest of the guys' thoughts. M, one word. Gazaniga, boom. Whiteman, who are you Gaz- going for? Gazaniga all the way. Gazaniga all the way. Do you know what, those words, they were so quick out of her mouth, you could tell she <laughs> couldn't wait to see Gazaniga. I wonder why. Good old Gaza getting the, uh, getting the preview for this one. And Charles, for you, who are you going with? Uh, Vaughn, all the way. Vaughn? Really? Oh. really, Charles? Yeah? Yeah, he's, he's getting... I love Gazaniga, um, but I'm not sure he's actually that good a goalkeeper, is he? Is he getting too Whoa! much love? He's, 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 he's a good shot stopper, but <laughs> yes. he is a re- he's a real flapper when, when the high balls come in. Um, I still think Vorm is overall a more solid goalkeeper. OK, that's interesting. So getting too much loving for your liking, is he, Charles? Yeah, I, I, I'm jealous. There you go. That's what it is. It's those it's those beautiful eyes of Gazaniga. You just lose yourself, and that's the problem. Um, Look, um, that's just that's just an added bonus. <laughs> hey, we're going to come out of you very quickly before we finish this off. Everything Tottenham, everything Tot. I think he's one that thrown into you over this question. He said, "Do we go for it all in the Champions League or concentrate on other competitions?" I think he means bearing in mind the result and how that goes this evening. What do you think, Em? If we was in the Europa League. Would you want Spurs to go for it or would you want us to focus on domestic matters? Well, if, if we were in the Europa, or does, he, does he mean he wants us to go? Does he want us to go for it in the well, Champions League? Well, I think he do we go for it in the Champions League or concentrate on other competitions? But, I mean, I'm saying to you, do you think also on that question, say we do end up in Europa, what do you think the club should do in terms of prioritising? Oh, the Europa is a really tough question because 
it's it's so many more games and it mm. comes at so much more um, decisive a time in the season. Um, I think I'd have to honestly, I'll sit on the fence a bit with that because I think it depends where we are with that injury situation. I'm very much of a mindset and have always been that you should always go all out in every knockout competition that you can. Um, but, you know, I also have to be realistic about the fact that, you know, if we've got seven, eight first teamers injured and we're in the semi-finals of the League Cup, then maybe pushing for the Europa is not our smartest move. But as far as the Champions League go, I absolutely think we should be pushing like to get out of the group still. Mm. I think we should be going, you know, full full steam ahead as much as we can for these next three three group games. Because let's be honest, what is the point of like getting into the Champions League if you're not gonna try and get as far in it as you can? Like well, it's ridiculous it. because mm. then we're just paying we're just playing for then a top four place to get back into a competition, which will then just like, you know, go out in the group stage or whatever for, and then the cycle repeats itself. We don't want to turn into Arsenal. Like seriously, Mm. I think, you know, to to dare is to do is our motto and nowhere is that more important than, than in, in Champions League football. So yeah, no sod it. I absolutely think the Champions League should be the priority for the next month. You know, we, if we're going to go out, let's at least go out giving it a really good bloody go you mm. know well you work for it for nine months to throw it away within a month would be ridiculous but I mean Jace, oh, yeah yeah I agree with I was, you. well all, all, I, all I was saying is if we end up in the Europa League I'd far sooner win that than I would the FA Cup that's interesting I well, think so it gets you a Champions League place doesn't it exactly and, you know and it would be a trophy and it would have meant we've been in a competition that's that Arsenal have been in and that Chelsea have been in in just the same way and by the time you reach the probably the quarterfinals of the Europa League it, it does look a, a decent competition by then so you know Valencia yeah a, I would agree with that and I think you know there, there would be it would be more prestigious for us to win the Europa League I think than, than an FA Cup where where you know teams just feel kids all the way through it it seems even up to the quarterfinal stages so for me of the competitions if we end up in it I'd sooner win the Europa League mm. I think that's a fair point I think the only thing that concerns me with the Europa is just there's so many games it's home and away. There's like last 32, last 16. Like it, it's not so much that I wouldn't want to win the competition on its own merits. It's more just what it will take out of us in that kind of crucial February, March, April kind of run. But yeah, I, I would agree that, you know, you would take winning the Europa over winning the FA Cup. I think it probably is more prestigious. I would agree. Mm. One word answers, guys. I've got one more thing to fit in. Can we go through? Emma, start with you. Can we go through? Yes. Yeah, that was a hesitation, but you know why? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yes. Okay, I still think we can do it. Chase, can we do it? Can, but won't. Oh, <laughs> God. Maybe he's a realist. I mean, Charles, come on, what do you think? Oh, God, no. We're absolutely... We're, we're cooked. We're, we're we? done. God, I'll tell you what. What are we bigging us up? Not bringing us down. There you go. There's your proof for tonight. Right. Before we do finish up, we've had news, obviously, in the last 24 hours that Raphael van der Vaart has hand, well, hanged up his boots. He's retired. It's only right that we mention quickly what our favourite van der Vaart goal was. And I'm going to start off, and I'm going to say his goal against Arsenal with that 3-2 win. Can't forget it, the way he hushed the fans at 2-all was absolutely incredible for me. Jay's going to throw it over to you. Your favourite van der Vaart goal? Probably the one he's got against Arsenal in the 3-3. Three, three. A while when he, yes. he also gave him that, didn't he? But he, he smashed that one in at the near post. So there's plenty of goals against Arsenal he scored to choose from. <laughs> That's it. He loves scoring against them. M, your favourite Van der Vaart goal? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm with Jace on that 3 3. I'm biased because I was there. So oh. it was great just actually seeing him in the flesh doing it. And mm. yeah, the, the, 
Van der Vaart could shush the Arsenal fans like no other player. It was just <laughs> so good to see. If there was ever a player that had just who just got the North London derby, mm. you know, it was him. Like, oh, it was just having him was just wonderful. You know, it was it's a privilege to have him in a Tottenham shirt for those games. Always Special mention for the double me- nutmeg on Jack Wilshere in oh, that cup yes. game. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Poetry in motion. And Charles, your favourite Van der Vaart moment or goal? Um, it would be the goal against Inter Milan in the Champions League um, that sort of set up that mm. um, that you know the, the whole taxi from Icon thing. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the most special nights that we've had as Spurs fans for a long, long time. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful night. Well, I think that's the right way to end it as we go into another big Champions League night. This time at Wembley, but this Spurs team still need our support. Fingers crossed, we can get over the line and we can keep the dream alive despite Jason and Charles's doom. But let's just say firstly, it's been a pleasure having you. It's <laughs> been a pleasure having you back okay. on the show. We haven't given predictions. For oh, the right. sport. Okay. oh yeah, yeah. You reminded me. It's a chance to save yourself. Go on, Jace. Prediction for tonight. I'll go for Tottenham to win three 0 There you go. So despite the doom, he's going for a three 0 win tonight. In. Uh, I'll go two one. Two one Spurs. Okay, and Charles, over to you. Uh, two 0 Two 0 They're really rubbish. PSV. No excuses. And a clean sheet for Michelle Vaughan. Charles, what's going on? Yeah, I, th- I think I think Michelle Vaughan will score both. I <laughs> <laughs> have a choice way our lineup's going to happen for this one. I'm going to also go over two 0 Spurs win. I'm going to Kane with both goals. Charles, thank you ever so much for coming back on the show. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Lovely, M. Thank you for returning. I promise you guys will have you both back on very very soon. Hopefully before the end of the season. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. Oh, lovely, how lovely you and Jace. Thank you very much as always. No problem, mate. Lovely. Well, guys, just a reminder, we are back on Love Sport this coming Thursday to review, hopefully, Spurs beating PSV in the Champions League and keeping that dream alive. Enjoy the game, enjoy the show, and as always, come on, you Spurs! Network.